All right, well, we are in the middle of a study on home improvement, taking a look at God's design for the home, God's design for men, husbands, fathers, and this week we start looking at God's design for women, and uh, that being mothers, that being wives. And uh, I want to say, I'll probably say it again a handful of times before we get there, but I do want to say I'm going to spend some time dealing with single mothers, widows, um, those of you that are not in the ideal biblical situation because of past hurts, because maybe of, of decisions you've made, maybe decisions someone else has made. And so I want to encourage you to stay with me and know that I'm going to give you as much time as I am giving husbands and wives. And there is a word from God for you. Uh, there is a word from God for all of us in every season of life, no matter where we're at. Uh, but I wanted to really spend some time dealing with us as individuals. With I'm going to deal with sons, I'm going to deal with daughters. Uh, rather than trying to cram a bunch of nuggets into two sermons, I wanted to spend some real time dealing with you uh, where you're at in the life that we live in. Amen? And so we're going to take a look at what God teaches us about His design for the woman. And we're going to start today in Genesis chapter 2. We will begin in verse 18, and we're going to skip verses 19 and 20, and come down to verse 21, and 22, and 23, and 24. So let's look together at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Would you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's holy word? Verse 18, Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let us pray. Lord, I ask now that You would have Your way with us, God, through the preaching service. I ask, God, that You would anoint me to preach Your Word this morning in the power, in the demonstration, and in the authority of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that You would help us for a moment to let down our guard. I pray especially for these ladies that You would help them to let down their guard and just listen to Your Word this morning and be willing to let You do work on their hearts. God, I pray that You would help me to do this, God, the way You would have it to be done. Lord, we pray that we would leave changed. We pray that we would leave encouraged. We pray that we would leave with a better understanding of Your design. For the woman and her place in this society and in the home and in the marriage. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would have your way. Speak to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are some things I enjoy doing and there are some things I don't. And telling women how to be women is one of the things I don't like doing. I'm going to tell you something, though. The Word of God says a lot about the matter. And as long as I use the Word of God and let God do the speaking, it's a little more comfortable for me. But I ask that you pray for me this morning that God would help me to clearly share what He has placed on my heart uh, for you ladies here this morning. And I think that um, whether you're female or not, this will be helpful for you. I had several ladies tell me in the last couple of weeks that the sermons towards men they also found helpful for their own lives. And so I pray that us men will be able to say the same thing this morning. What I want to ask you ladies to do by way of introduction is be willing for just a little bit to put your guard down, open up your heart, and let God speak to you this morning about whatever it is God wants to speak to you. Amen? I want us to look, first of all, this morning at the first verse of our text it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. One of the greatest um, problems of our modern day culture is that we have 
in large part bought the false picture that the devil has wanted to paint of God's view for the home. So, according to so many, the Christian view is that the man is a big, powerful guy that rules with iron and that just loves God with all of his heart, that, that, that is out there taking the world by storm for Jesus, and, and, and he controls all aspects of the home. And that's what the man looks like. And he knows, he, he knows the Bible, and he, he can quote it from the front to the end. And, and he's a great man of God. And then over here we have the woman. And the woman's just a very meek and mild little submissive lady that doesn't really ever have any input, but she sure does know how to cook and she's really good at doing the dishes and she just stays at home and she's a good old stay-at-home mom. And so us guys, we see this picture of what we're supposed to be and we're like, can't do that. And thus the ladies, they see the picture of what the lady's supposed to be like and they're like, can't do that. And it's not where any of us really live, but let's be honest, in some ways the devil has hijacked what God talks about when it comes to spiritual authority and when it comes to submissiveness, and he's painted that picture that I just painted to you. And it's no wonder that some people have such a hard time with what they think the Bible's teaching us about the relationship between a man and a woman. But as we looked at in the last couple of weeks, that macho man is not really what the Bible's talking about. It talks about laying our lives down like Christ laid His life down. Right. Selflessness. A willingness to lay down our own will and our emotions and our mind for what is best for our family. That's not the macho rule with the iron thumb mentality. And I want us to just stop for a moment and use some common sense about this term helper. Because the way that we typically look at it, the way that we would look at it when I have my little two-year-old, he's my helper, right? He helps dad with his, with his work. You ever heard that term, daddy's little helper? And so I'm out working on the car and I give him some fake tools to use and he thinks he's helping me and all this, daddy's little helper. And, and that, that picture of that kind of helper is, is somehow attached to the woman's job as a helper. First of all, that's not really help. It's more of a nuisance. I'd get it done faster and it'd be done easier if I didn't have to babysit him. And I didn't have to make him think he was helping. But I want to talk about real help. That's what I want to talk about. Let's use some common sense and think about the term, ladies, that God used when He designed you helper. Helper does not mean inferior. I would argue that helper actually means the exact opposite. Look at Psalm 33 and verse 20. I could do this all day. I won't. I'll do it four times though to prove a point. Psalm 33. I'll keep them all in the Psalms too. In order. Alright, you ready for this? Psalm 33 and verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 40 and verse 17. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Psalm 46 in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Finally, Psalm 63 in verse 7. Because you have been my help, Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Multitudes, the Word of God tells us that God is our helper. And so, ladies, you have been called the same thing to us men that God calls Himself to us men. A helper. In reality, the one who needs help is the weaker one. 
That's who needs help. Us men probably didn't want to hear that, but let's be honest, that's what help means. Does it not? If you have a car wreck and the car flips upside down and you're pinned in that place and you're going to die if somebody doesn't rescue you and the EMS finally shows up on the scene and he gets out the door and he's getting ready to, to pull you out of there, let me ask you the question. Who is the helper in that situation? The medic. That's who the helper is. The one in position to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. If you are caught in a burning building up on the third floor and a firefighter is coming up the ladder to rescue you, who is the helper? Firefighter. You see, the helper is always the one that's in the position of strength to help the one who is not in a position to do what they need to get done. Yet the event is always about the one who needs help. That's why the firefighter's there. He doesn't need to get inside the burning building. The person in the building needs to get out. That's why the paramedics show up at the wreck. They don't need to get inside the car. They need to help who is in the car get out of the mess. So let's be honest about helper. The word in and of itself assumes you have power to do for somebody what they can't do for themselves. I have no idea how in the world we have got this turned around in the church as if being a helper is somehow not incredibly significant. God is our helper. And ladies, you have been given that same term that God titles Himself with in reference to your husband. I don't want inferior help. When I need help, I want somebody that can get the job done. I want somebody that has the strength and the ability to do what I'm apparently unable to do for myself. There's nothing worse than looking for help and needing help and not being able to find it. Because then we are what? Helpless. Isn't that a terrible feeling to be helpless? And this is the truth, men. And ladies, you need to know it's the truth too. God looked at us men and said, it's not good that you're alone. You need help. That's what it says. I am telling you the Word of God. God said, it's not good. You're not going to make it by yourself. Everything else was good, but this is not good. You need help. And because you need help, sir, and because I love you, and because I created you with a supreme purpose to know me and to make me known in this earth, I'm going to provide for you the help necessary to do what I've called you to do. But you need help. You can't do it by yourself. And God saw the problem and He said, I will, I will fix this problem of man's weakness, of man's inability. I will fix it by providing for him the strength that he needs and she will be called woman. A helper is powerful. The woman is the most powerful person on earth in her husband's life. Ladies, you are powerful. I mean real powerful. And I am convinced most women have no idea what type of power they walk with. No clue. You're powerful. You are the single most powerful influence in your husband's life. You're more powerful than his work. You give me time, I'm going to prove it. Trust me. You might think, oh no, I don't influence my husband at all. He doesn't listen to nothing I say. Just wait, we'll get there. You need to understand something about the Word of God. You are His helper. And you are the most powerful influence in His life. You are more powerful influence in His life than His parents, than His children, than His work, than His friends, than His hobbies. You are the most powerful influence in your husband's life. But power is a dangerous thing. Real power is real dangerous. Because you can use it for the right reasons or you can use it for the wrong reasons. Once God has handed power and authority into your hands, you can use it to build up or you can use it to tear down. All too often, and it's unfortunate, and I want to deal with it first. First of all, you ladies need to know your position is a powerful position. 
it is a meaningful position. It is a needed position. And us men, we cannot be who God called us to be. We cannot function the way God designed us to function. We cannot accomplish the things God called us to do without you. But let's look at what happens when you use your power the wrong way. To tear down. See, some women are experts in their husband's weaknesses. Some women are experts in their husband's weaknesses. And they let him know it. And God forbid, sometimes they let everyone else know too. If you want to stifle your relationship real quick and cause your man to live his life in a cave, become an expert on his weaknesses. Let him know that everything he does that's wrong, you notice it. That that it's glaring to you. Spend your life trying to correct him. Spend your life trying to be the Holy Spirit in his life and trying to play the role of God over him. See how well that works. The thing that blows my mind, I have watched women who have tried it for years and all it does is force their husband further into his man cave and they don't know what's wrong. Well, I told him he needed to change this and I told him he needed to be this way and I told him, Pastor, and I told him and I told him and he just don't listen to me. No, he hears you loud and clear. That's why he's hiding from you. He hears everything you say. Trust me, us men, we do. We do. And a lot of times for your safety's sake and for the sake of the marriage, rather than exploding and getting violent and saying things we're going to regret, we just retreat to the man cave where we don't say anything at all. And you think that we don't hear you, but the very fact that we have gone back inside and we're no longer communicating and we're in our own little world is the greatest evidence. We've heard everything you have to say. Because your words are powerful. The negativity of a wife has more influence on her husband than all the negativity in this world. I am not bulletproof. I have feelings like everyone else. I have been offended. But I'm going to tell you the truth. My wife can verify this and the people that are closest to me can verify this. You can tell me that you hate my preaching. You can tell me that I need to change the way I do what I do and everything about me and you can quit the church and try to take 15 people with you and you can say all sorts of hurtful things to me. And when service is over, I will go eat and forget what you had to say. I won't think about it tonight when I'm laying down to go to bed. It will not bother me and I will go on and live my life. That's a fact. But when I know my wife's not happy with me, when I know she's disappointed in me, my world begins to crumble. I can't think. I don't want to do anything else. I have a hard time going to bed. Isn't it interesting the, the thought and the mentality and the opinion of one woman in my life has a hundred times more weight and influence on me than all of you combined? Ladies, you're, the, what, the things you speak and your behavior and your attitudes towards your husband has more power than you know. Look at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. I didn't write it, by the way. I'm just telling you it's in Proverbs 21 and I'm going to read you what somebody else wrote. Here we go. Proverbs 21 and verse 9. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Look at the same chapter, verse 19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Look at Proverbs 27 and 15. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Let's go back to Proverbs 21 and verse 9. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. What does the word contentious mean? It means specifically 
exhibiting an often perverse and wearisome tendency to quarrels and disputes. That means the woman who's always got a problem. Always a source of contention. Always something to complain about. Always something to nag about. Always something wrong. Always something he could do better. Here's what the Bible says about it. It'd be better for that man to live on the corner of a housetop than to live with that woman. Now, these are statements us men understand a whole lot better than women. First of all, the continual drip on a rainy day. See, us men are fixers. We like to fix stuff. Not always good at it, but we'll try. And when we fail, thank God for duct tape. But there is nothing more annoying than a drip you just can't make stop. Get up on the roof, try to make it fixed. Get back down, still dripping. Get on the underneath side and try to fix it and it's still dripping. You're sitting in your own house. This is so annoying. God says, this is what it's like to dwell with the contentious women. Before I finish this segment, the Bible says there's a time to speak and a time to keep silent. I'm going to add there's a time to amen and a time not to amen. Men, now is not the time to amen. (laughs) And I joke about that, but I'm serious about it too. Just let me talk to the ladies. So we understand the continual drip. And then it says it's better for him to dwell on the corner of a housetop. Think about that statement. On the corner of a housetop. You see, us men, our house is our castle. You ladies don't think about the house the way we do. It's my castle. It is my possession. It is where I provide for my family to live and to be raised up. And the thought that it would be better for me to be driven out of my own home... And to live, not just on the roof, on the corner of a roof. It'd be better for you to be on the corner of this roof and to live up there than to be in the house with her. That's what God says about contentious women. I didn't say it. I didn't write it. That's what God says about it. If you are a contentious woman, that's what God thinks about you. If you are a constant negative nag, always got a problem, God says to your husband, Son, it'd be better for you to go live in the desert where there is no water and there is no shade and it is constantly hot and you would just wish to die than to spend the rest of your life here with her. That's what God says about a contentious woman. Ladies, are you contentious? Is there always something negative? that you have to say? Is there always a problem that you think needs dealt with? Is there just always that sense of contention in the home? Now, I want you to notice the power. Talking to you about power. Strength. I want you to notice the power that you have. None of you could make me leave my home. None of you. None of you could make me go live in the desert. But one contentious woman, just one, has the power to force her husband to want to drive out of that place and live up on the roof. That's power, ladies. And you need to understand God has taken that power and entrusted it into your hands. And you have a responsibility to use the power that you have. It is an honorable thing. It is a great thing. But you have a responsibility to use that power for good and not for evil. With the power that you have, you can destroy your husband. And I have seen it done many times. You have the power to hurt him in ways that nobody else can. A lot of the ladies will tell me, but if I don't stay on him, he will never blah, 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 blah. He doesn't ever do anything. 
Man, I... Several years ago, a friend of mine and I went to somebody's house to do a project. And there was some work that needed done. So we're over there and we're doing some work and we've got our tool bags on and uh, him and I are there together. And um, the lady, wife, got home before the husband. And she starts in on, oh, we're so glad you're here. Thank God, because my husband can't do nothing. He doesn't even know how to pick up a hammer. He's just a worthless person around the house. I've got to do it all. I mean, I've got to cook. I've got to do this. Anytime something needs done, I've got to do this. She just started tearing down her husband to us. I'm going to tell you something, ladies. I thought to myself, I could not imagine living with this nag. I'm just telling you the truth. It's exactly what I thought. My friend thought the same thing. I thought, are you grateful at all for anything your husband's ever done for you? Is that all that comes out of your mouth is how much of a loser you think he is and all the negative stuff about him? You've got nothing to say positive about the guy. It's no wonder. He probably doesn't even want to try to pick up a hammer because you tell him he's not holding it right. And I've watched marriages fall apart because ladies don't understand the power they have. And a lot of times they'll say, well, if I don't stay on him, if, it, if I don't this, if I don't say that, if I, he doesn't do it. Well, you need to learn to give your man some space if that's you. And if you can't find a way to communicate to him about it in a way that is positive and encouraging, then maybe you should just talk to God about it. Let God know what needs done. Let God know what you think needs to happen. And then ask God to help you understand how you can be encouraging to Him. Because here's a newsflash, ladies. Us men don't respond real well to your criticism. I know that you wish that we did, and I wish that we did too. But guess what? We are fallen beings, and there's an element of pride in us that God still is working on us until the day that we die. And the way that you respond to us, wives, the way you respond to your husband, we don't do real well with criticism. And that doesn't mean that you can never talk to us about something, but it's all about how you do it. It's all about how do you communicate it. When there's a need that needs to take place, do you, you, know, do you come alongside and say, say, honey, I, I feel like, I feel like maybe in our home, there's some things that, that we could do better. And I know that you're busy and I'm busy and so I'm not being critical of you and I'm not even being critical of me. I just want to have a discussion about how can we do this better. I see that uh, we're having problems with this kid and, and with this kid and, and I'm just curious, you know, what can we do? What can I do uh, to help you uh, in this family? See, that's one way to communicate it. Here's the other way to communicate it. You never spend any time with the kids and that's why they act the way that they act. You're really saying the same thing two different ways. And guess what? You're going to get two different responses from that man depending on how you decide that you're going to go after it. Because to be contentious is something we just despise. And it's in the Word of God. And I can't change it and you can't change it. And I'm telling you something, the quicker that we learn that, accept that, submit to that, the quicker the conflict will begin to get out of the home. No man has ever been helped by nagging. Never. Eventually he might cave in. Eventually he might temporarily do what you're trying to get him to do. But the reality is what you're wanting from him, that's not what you're getting. You just feel like you finally beat him to death and you won. No one's ever got what they wanted from nagging. Ladies, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Don't nag at your husbands. Speak words of life to them. Find ways to talk about hard topics without being confrontational, without being contentious. And it is possible. It can happen. 
Pray. Don't nag. Pray. Don't nag. That would make for a good plaque like to hang on the wall for Christmas. We should make those and get those for our wives and hang them up on the walls. Don't do it, man. That would be the worst gift you ever got. Don't do it. It's all about how you present the problem. Men want the opposite of contentiousness, which is content. Contentious is conflict. To be content is to be satisfied. And next week, I'm going to deal with more of what a truly content home looks like. But this week, I want us to look at the reality. You ladies have power. And while that power can be used the wrong way, it can also be used the right way. And I want to talk to you this morning about using the power that God has placed in your hand as the helper the right way. Number one, you need to build up your husband. You need to build him up. Your husband should feel like he is the most important and significant person in your life. And he should feel that way because he should be that way. And I'm not saying he has to be perfect. I'm not, he never will be perfect. I'm not saying he has to do everything right. But you need to trust me, ladies. You need to trust the Word of God. Your husband will become a whole lot more like the man of God you want him to be when you start building him up and you start speaking words of life to him and you start encouraging him instead of trying to force him into that through negativity. You have got to trust God with this. Us men, we like to be built up. I'm just telling you the truth. I like to know my wife is proud of me. You might think that's shallow, but it's the truth. I like to know she feels like I have worked hard for her and that I think about her and that she appreciates it. I like to know that she notices that I'm doing what I can. And that while at times it might not be enough and at times it might not hit the mark, at least I tried because I care. I need to know that. I need to feel like she appreciates who I am as a man. Like she is grateful that I am her husband, that she is grateful that I am the father of her children. Wives, do you communicate that to your husband? Do they know? Because wives can be just as guilty as men that I talked about last week, right? The man who says, well, I told her I loved her when we got married. I mean, why else would I ever need to tell her again? We're still married, aren't we? It's no different with you ladies. We need to know continually that you believe in us. Your husband needs to know that you're proud of him. That you're thankful for him. You need to build him up. You need to use the real reason God gave you power and that was to help him. And nobody on earth can do it like you. Nobody. Nobody on earth. Just like nobody can tear down a husband like the wife can, nobody can build him up like the wife can. There have been seasons that we've been through in life. All of you have been through other seasons in life as well. We've been through seasons in life where it was difficult. We had people coming against us. I had people coming against me. and, And I'm thinking... You know, are we, were we going to lose it all? And it didn't matter how many others that were here would come alongside me and tell me it's going to be okay. I'm for you. I believe in you. It's going to be okay. What mattered the most is when I could lay down at night and know my wife still believed in me. And my wife wasn't going anywhere. And we were going to be a family And it was going to be okay. And no matter what happened with the rest of the world, tomorrow I was going to wake up and I was going to have a wife who loved me and who was going to be with me and we were going to do this thing together. And that one truth brought more comfort and more strength to me than again all of you could have done in writing me a card saying, Pastor, I'm for you. Women, you have power. Don't buy this stupid lie that being a helper to your husband, that being a submissive wife is somehow weakness and is somehow 
unattractive and not to be desired. Baloney! You have power that God has handed you and nobody can influence the atmosphere of your home like you can. You are the thermometer for that place. Your attitude. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says that death and life are in the tongue. James chapter 3 talks about who can tame the tongue. I want to deal with James chapter 3 and then I want to go back to Proverbs 18.21. But who can tame the tongue? I think this is especially true for women. I'm not being funny. I mean, it's difficult for us men to tame the tongue also. But it's much more difficult for women to tame their tongues than it is for men. But you've got to understand something. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I think about this. The Bible is a book of extremes. You ever notice that? I mean, it's death and life. Not gray in the middle, sort of death-ish kind of life. It's one or the other. It's heaven or hell. It's darkness or light. It's Jesus that you follow or it's Satan. I mean, it's a book of extremes. It's one or the other. And it says, in the tongue... In other words, what you say, what you speak, is death and life. One of the most foolish child rhymes ever. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words can hurt you greater than sticks and stones ever could. And ladies, what you say, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Your tongue. In your home. And I ask you the question this morning, are you injecting life into your home or are you injecting death into it? Are you injecting life into your marriage or are you injecting death into your marriage with what you speak? Nobody controls the atmosphere of the home like the woman. Nobody. I'm not saying that us men are totally powerless and that our attitudes don't have any influence at all. I'm not saying that. Don't mishear me. What I am saying is that ultimately the atmosphere of the home is controlled by the lady. Is your home a peaceful place? Is your home a happy place? You need to learn to be an expert in your husband's strengths. Don't be an expert in his weaknesses. Be an expert in his strengths. Are you an expert in your husband's strengths? If I was to ask you today, honestly, quickly, tell me what you're thankful for about your husband. How long would it take you and how long would your list be? And does your husband know? Can I tell you something? And I'm being honest with you. I've did a lot of marriage counseling. I've did a lot of pre-marriage counseling. I've did a lot of relationship counseling. It is not uncommon for me to come across a woman that has almost nothing positive to say about her husband at all. And I'm not saying that everything the guy did was right. I'm not saying that the stuff that she's disgusted with is not disgusting. What I am saying is that you have got to learn how to actually help him. And if you're not helping him, you're only making the problem worse. That's what I'm trying to communicate this morning. And you have got to learn how to identify his strengths and become an expert in those things. You've got to see yourself as a powerful one who's trying to help the weak one. Us men don't like to hear that. Ladies, you've got to see it that way. I think about when I'm coaching. I, I do coaching. I coach our girls in soccer. I'm currently coaching my son in wrestling. I enjoy coaching. You know one of the things I've learned about coaching? Is that it's not just teaching kids what they're doing wrong and how to do it right. You have got to find ways to, when they do something right to notice it, 
to let them know you see it and to tell them, good job, that was incredible. Because when they hear that they're doing it, something inside of them says, I can do this. Teach me more. How can I get better? But when all they ever hear is, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, and if you quit doing these things wrong, then this would happen. Eventually, what did they do? They begin to shrink back and they think, well, maybe I'm not supposed to play at this sport. The same is true with us men. Ladies, we need you to coach us sometimes. And we need you to tell us what we're doing right. Become an expert in our strengths. Build us up. Build your husband up. I'm telling you, I've talked to ladies before that had almost nothing positive to say at all. Especially if I asked them in front of their husband in a counseling session. You know, what does he do right? Well, hmm. Hmm. I guess. Guess he goes to work. Hmm. And he's he's really a good guy to his friends. Mm Mm-hmm. See, that's a jab at the friends. I think to myself, if you cannot find anything good to say about your husband, why don't you go look in the mirror and be thankful that he has stayed with you in your negative, pessimistic attitude all this time and he still lives in that house instead of a desert? Let's start there. That's something to be thankful for. Because there's not a whole lot of people on this earth that would put up with that. Begin to quit focusing on all that He does wrong and quit being disappointed with all that He does wrong. And focus on His strengths. It'll change your attitude if you start to focus on His strengths. It'll change your opinion of the man if you begin to become an expert in what He does right and you begin to build Him up in those areas and you begin to build Him up in those things. See, I'm a man like all of you men. I'm going to tell you something. When my wife feels like she needs to correct me, she needs to talk to me about something that needs changed. I normally hear it on the back end of three or four good things that I've done. You know? Appreciate this and appreciate this and we're doing good in this area and just want you to know I'm really proud of you here. And, and then comes the, but, oh! But I'm like you. I'm like, okay. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not a terrible, horrible dog that needs to go sleep outside in the, you know, in the doghouse. So let's talk about this thing. But if it's all negative, if it's all if it's never good enough, I'm like the rest of you. I'm kind of like, well, fine. I don't talk about it. I'll never be good enough. I'm just a failure. And unfortunately for you, you're stuck with the loser of a husband. That's the way we feel. I know us men like to think we don't get that attitude. And, You know, we're tough and we can handle it, but that's just not the case. When we feel attacked, that's the way that we react. God has given you power, ladies. And as much as we don't like to admit it, we've got to agree with the Word of God. We need help. Help us, please. Help us. God has given you the power to help us. And God has called us to great things. And God's called us to do mighty things for His name. And God's called us to make a difference on this earth with the time that He's given us and with the lives that we have. God's called us to have families that, that work and that look like He wants them to look, but we need your help. The atmosphere of the home is really controlled by you. Use your power to help. You have the power to help where nobody else can. I want to close with this thought, but what for? What does it mean to help? What are you supposed to help him do? What are you building up your husband for? What is the purpose of it? In a nutshell, in a simple pastoral type answer, the, I would say to be the things that God's created him to be. To do the things that God's created him to do. And we could spend a long time talking about what that looks like. But the chief aim of man, it is to know God and to make Him known. So you need to know Him. Your children need to know Him. And we need to make Him known. We need to bring others into a knowing, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And how we work that out in our own lives and how we work that out in our different roles as men and women in the church, as members of one body, it works itself out differently for all of us. But every one of us have a responsibility, all of our families have a responsibility to be coming together to do what God created us to do. A husband who guards and tends the garden. A husband who selflessly lays down his rights for his family. A wife who helps her husband, who selfishly yields to his leadership, yet uses her power to help. Children who are trained up in the way of the Lord. You know, the world wants to paint this false picture I talked about at the very beginning of service, of, of what a Christian home looks like. And it can mock, and it is mocking right now, brothers and sisters. The world is mocking what this book says about what God says about the family. I'm going to tell you something. If the people of the world would step into a home that actually did it this way, they would shut their mouths. That's what they would do. They would look at a home where the husband was the head, yet he laid down his own rights for the sake of his family and selflessly loved them. And he's married to a wife who has been given this power to help him and she uses it to, to, to encourage him and to build him up and she, she has her role within the home too, and, and she, but she yields to him. They would see that. I'm telling you something. They would watch the way the home works. They would see the peace in the home. They would see the relationship between the man and the woman. And they'd say, hey, that's what we want. Guarantee it. Because it works. Because it's God's design. Because it's right. Because it's how God created us to be. We're going to go ahead and ask our worship team to come. Ladies, next week, I'm going to deal with something that I think is incredibly important. I've titled this next week's sermon, Destroying the Disguise. Destroying the Disguise. There's been a false picture painted of what a good Christian home looks like, of what a good Christian wife looks like. And when you have a false image of what you should be, and you're chasing a false image of what you should be, you're always going to be let down. You'll eventually be forced to pretend you're something you're not. Because you're terrified of what everybody would think if they knew how my home really looked. We're going to talk about the reality of what life looks like. I pray that some of the chains fall off next week of, oh, you mean I don't have to have the dishes done all the time and the laundry done all the time and everything looking spick and span all the time and I don't have to... You mean I don't have to be the Proverbs 31 woman every day of my life, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? No, you don't. It's a good thing to strive for. But you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we're not perfect. And I want to look at destroying this false image of what a good Christian woman is supposed to look like and get to the reality of, of some of the how do you live life we're going to talk about these things next week talk about what goes on in the home next week but this week I want you to see from the word of God that you are powerful you are the most powerful source in your husband's life there is not a person on earth more powerful than you and I am not saying all of your husband's faults are your fault for not building him up. I am not saying that all of his weaknesses are a result of your nagging. But I am saying this, there is nobody on earth more powerful than you. And you play a very important role designed by God Himself in helping your husband be who God called him to be. And it doesn't come through negativity, but it comes through building him up, encouraging him, and being an expert on his strengths. You want to make your man feel like a man. You want to make your man feel like he's 
like he is, has a life of value and worth and that he can actually do something for the name of God and for the sake of God, build him up. Let him know you see what he's doing right and that you appreciate it and encourage him to keep pressing on and to become more and more into the man of God that God's called him to be because it's exciting to you watching the things that God's doing in his life. And I'll tell you, when you start speaking those words of life instead of negativity, it will transform your home. It'll transform your marriage. It'll transform the atmosphere in your life. Lord, I pray that you move all across this room in Jesus' name. Pray I've said what you'd have me to say, nothing more, nothing less. And I pray, God, that you would speak to the hearts of these ladies. I pray, God, that if anybody this morning really feels attacked or feels like, God, their toes have been stepped on, that, God, they would see that really you're just speaking to their heart because you want to help them help their husband. You're actually trying to help them accomplish what they've been trying to do all along. May we be willing, Lord, to listen to your word, to receive it, to change what needs change, and to trust you. God, with your design, in Jesus' name. As they sing a song of invitation, these altars are open. If there's a need in your life this morning and you want to come, I invite you to come at this time.